Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and today I'm here with Jeremy Sartori, my brother, talking about our ultimate weakness, power pop. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, rate and review us on iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook for more info. Now let's get to the show. To the brother 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 podcast uh this time it is an intimate setting live show with uh, jeremy and i discussing power pop um a genre that the more i talk about it the more i find myself loving it i uh i forget how much of what i listen to is absolutely deeply rooted and based in power pop and it, it sort of stretches back but it, the one thing we were we when we were talking about it earlier um the one thing that sort of, uh, you know, came into focus is that it, it's it's a real American art form. Um, obviously, rock and roll is too, country music is too, but um, there really isn't like uh, deeply rooted power pop uh, kind of you know roots. It's um, it's it's relatively recent. Um, it's uh, you know it's flourished since the 60s, but really it was kind of invented in the 60s. I mean, I think it, it sort of, deri- you know, derives from uh, the Burt Bacharach, Hal David songbook through the Beach Boys. And, um, you know, I was willing, uh, my hot take on this was that um, it w- Power Pop isn't derived so much from the Beatles as every single one of the Beatles solo records. Um, you know, every Wings record, uh, All Things Must Pass by George Harrison. Those are kind of the templates for power pop, but, you know, opening it up, I mean, I think we're going to go 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s um, here, but, you know, going back to the 60s, you get Pet Sounds, you have Bad Finger, well, actually, I that think was... we talked about it earlier, and, and before we jump into power pop, just want to say happy birthday, brother. Happy so, birthday to you, too. Birthday week for both of it's us. It's Scorpio time. It is Scorpio time. Um, I think, you know, one of my favorite Beatles songs, and, uh, I think one of the original power pop songs is and your bird can sing yeah it's uh three chords you know maybe one or two chords <laughs> and, uh, john lennon and, and paul mccartney just banging away a pop song and i think as we talked about this it was kind of funny we were sort of trying to define power pop and one of the things that always made power pop sort of standalone to me is and you know not to uh sound like donald trump's uh chief strategist here uh bannon but it's very sort of white pop music there's yeah. not a lot of uh you know well, there's not a lot of soul or, influence i mean there's a, blues even, you know, there's a little or, bit of soul influence there's a little bit of motown but largely not blues based no not at all and, and so a lot of the classic rock you hear has that kind of blues but which is you know a lot of the other music we love but but the reality is with power pop it's short there's not a lot of guitar solos, and you have kind of a concise pop song. No, so. the, vir- the virtuosity is in the songwriting. The virtuosity is in the hooks. It's not in the playing. It's not in, uh, you know, you don't say, like, God, that guy from Badfinger was an awesome drummer. <laughs> right. um, you know, there's not there's not a lot of me first. It's a, it's always been kind of a uh, band thing, which, it, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that there aren't solo artists that, that are great power pop people, but um, it's really short songs with great hooks 
Well, I think the the thing that makes Power Pop stand apart from me too, and mentioning Badfinger is, if you listen to the Eagle, the River, the Hawk, or any of the classic rock stations in your city, you're gonna get sandwiched in between Led Zeppelin and the Eagles a Badfinger song. So yeah. you know Baby Blue or you know any of these songs that just sound it's yeah. just a little different. It's kind of like Breaking Breaking Bad kind of brought <laughs> exactly. back Badfinger. But, um, you know, if you really think about it, I mean, Badfinger, I, I don't know if you know the history, but Badfinger was the first band that Paul McCartney signed to Apple Records at once the Beatles broke up and wound up writing most of their hits, I believe. Um, Peter Ham was the singer and chief strategist um, for Badfinger, Welsh guy, but um, he, he wound up uh, topping himself after the second, I think, second or third record. Um, but when you think about back to those songs, Day After Day was a Paul McCartney song. Um, and and it's funny, like the Beatles, when they split up, they, they were, uh, you know, they, obviously they, they split up, they went their separate ways, but there was a lot of collaboration still between the Beatles once they split up. I mean, George Harrison played on Ringo Starr records, Ringo Starr played on Paul McCartney records, um, you know, uh. Nobody played on Okono. Photograph, which is, you know, the blueprint for a great power pop song. Uh, Ringo Starr's first number one song was uh, George Harrison wrote. Um, Yeah, so there was a lot of collaborations. I think John Lennon kind of went his own way. But the rest of them uh, were still sort of hanging tight. Um, And I think those... I think those early albums, you know, uh, All Things Must Pass, particularly uh, George Harrison's, like, opus. uh, Probably the best album out of the entire Beatles slash solo Beatles catalog. Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, go there. Um, I mean, What Is Life is really... Yeah, that that's is, it. That's kind of the blueprint. And I think after that, and as you said, the connection to Paul McCartney, I, I think Badfinger kind of kicked off. If you, if you look at the Torchbearers for Power Pop, that was your next step. And, and the band that kind of influenced then... We can go into some other, you know, eras here. Well, yeah, like you, like I said, it, you know, it gets laid out by the sort of uh, Hal David, Burt Bacharach songbook, but then you've got your Harry Nielsen, um, you know, had some great power pop tunes, um, Badfinger, uh, you move on into the 70s, and some of those songs that, that sort of miss, you know, that are misidentified in different genres. I mean, like, Blue Oyster Cult was almost a power pop band. Yeah, a little too much noodling, though. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of noodling. <laughs> lot of but then you really hit, I mean, I think you hit 1979, 1980, and you get, like, a, a brand new start, and that's where it really sort of takes off, and that's where the, the Beatles influence, um, you know, really takes hold in a different way. It gets sort of reconfigured and reconstructed by bands like The Cars, um, bands that aren't considered you know, necessarily in that genre of power pop, but like Elvis Costello and the Attractions, Joe Jackson, Rock Pile, uh, Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe, um, all those guys were doing sort of a variation of, of sort of Brian Wilson worship. Yeah. Um, and you know, particularly you, you listen to something like Cruel to be Kind, uh, Nick Lowe song, or, um, there's also a, a key power pop, uh, signature where the song starts with a chord and a singing right away. Yeah, and it's a it's a great way well, that, to start a song. Yeah, that that kicked off with the kids are all right by yeah, the Who. Exactly. Um, 
And, so you uh, can say early who definitely falls into this category too. We're kind of contradicting ourselves by saying it's an American art form. I think America <laughs> perfected the art form. Started yeah, all of a sudden we not being able to play the blues. All of a sudden we haven't named a single <laughs> uh, uh, American artist in this whole thing. But we've been, um, you know, this week, uh, you know, by virtue of Jeremy's uh, Spotify Discover list, and um, then me recollecting my father's old album uh, collection. Uh, did a deep dive on Dwight Twilly Band, and you know, who, who nobody really remembers, nobody reveres in the same way uh, that he should be. Uh, you know, Dwight Twilly, pa- Paul Collins beat, um, who's really only known in this country for making the English beat change their name once they came over here. <laughs> um, you know, those guys were were massive progenitors of this uh, and I mean and, and Paul Collins beat uh, the, the other thing that they're sort of noted for is having two songs that Blondie later covered uh, Hanging on the Telephone and uh, shit I can't remember the other one uh, when he was in the nerves but you know Paul Collins beat um, Dwight Twilley uh, who were some of the other late 70s kind of I oh, guess I mean, Steve Forbit um, you know stuff that people you know that aren't really you know everyday um, conversations anymore. Uh, I, I would even say that early Tom Petty kind of sound fell Romantics. into that category. Yep. Um, but and then there was some British punk that again was lopped in with the punk, um, and American punk actually too. I mean, we were talking about Red Cross, but you know, British punk like the Buzzcocks. I mean, that is that pop punk kind of is. Yeah, I mean the Buzzcocks birth probably a million bad pop punk Well, they bands, certainly they... birthed Green Day. <laughs> exactly. I remember the first time I heard Green Day in 92 or 3, I was like, did the Buzzcocks put out a new record? <laughs> and two, you know, I think two of the quintessential kind of cornerstones in the once you get into the U.S., obviously they're going to be, you know, the cult classic of Big Star oh, yeah. and Cheap Trick. Sorry, that going back to the 70s yeah. again. Um, yeah, Big Star and Cheap Trick. And, it, it you know, again, it's a, a sort of non-coastal music if you think about it it's central a, yeah i mean there's you know i mean cheap trick obviously being from rockford big star being from memphis which you know people think of as kind of southern but it's really kind of midwestern yeah and i think surrounded by country music blues and, and soul music at the time and, and you know and you can hear a lot of that in big star yeah but it's also you know it's one of those rare bands big star where I think there's a lot of cult classics out there, Flaming Groovies. There's people that you hear about that are really kind of cool for a couple of songs, but it's rare that you uncover a band that actually had two hit albums that nobody ever. Well, heard, I think you know? I think you know now that we're just talking it out. I think the um, you know the quintessential hallmark of a power pop band is hearing a song and going like, how the fuck was this not a hit? Exactly. That's a great <laughs> point. Yeah, no, it is, and uh, and that's Big Star's entire catalog. Exactly. Yeah, I think I heard. Replacements covers September Girls and was like, oh, that is amazing. What is that? And somebody's like, oh, that's Big Star. You ever heard them? And then dove deep into Big Star and, and realized that there was another, you know, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones and yeah. band that I'd never even heard of. Yeah, my friend Danny, who's actually a music producer, uh, said that he grew up um, not realizing that the Big Four weren't the Who. He thought the Big Four were the Who, the Beatles, the Stones, and NRBQ. Because his brothers and sisters loved NRBQ so much, <laughs> and he thought that they were on equal playing field with uh, uh, the rest of like classic rock. He, he thought everybody knew NRBQ, and NRBQ falls into that category as well. That you know, great quirky, you know, weird little pop songs that should have been hits. September. 
Somewhere between two and three, three fifty-six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't quite get to four minute mark, and you're okay. Um, but I, I think it's a it's a genre that obviously influenced a ton of the later music that we talk about a lot on this pod, which is the sort of indie rock and, and mm-hmm. even punk rock to that matter. I mean, you, I got turned on a cheap trick later, probably through you, and and um, I think we actually saw them live for free by the Eagle on the Boston Common. Really. <laughs> Maybe the uh, early '90s and the and, you know slow days of the cheap trick, but no. The, the the one of the great ironies in the world is the uh, the that '70s show theme song is a cheap, cheap trick covering big, big star. star. Yeah, exactly. And but you go back and listen to those first three albums, and you're like, wow, this is how, yeah. yeah, this is how you do rock and roll. I mean, and they also they believe it or not didn't have a hit off that. It was live at Budokan that yeah. that was their big hit, and they were massive in Japan. Um, uh, you know, there's a the uh, the rock and roll cliche of all rock and roll cliches. They were huge in Japan, <laughs> but they went over and did a live album. And actually, I want you to want me. The live version was the one that became the hit. Right, not the album version. Yeah, uh, they do have the Fast Times at Ridgemont High shout out mm-hmm. on the song of the tickets, which was uh, maybe one of the most classic lines yeah. of the entire movie. The charisma of Robin Zander. <laughs> um, yeah, they, so you know, you get your cheap trick. You got your. Big Star, um, and I, again, most people I know, I mean, I liked Big Star in high school, but most people I know discovered Big Star through Alex, the song Alex Chilton by The Replacements. Um, Funny enough, I think I had a Columbia Music House record subscription that would send me albums every <laughs> month. And, uh, for a penny? For a penny, yes, and it's very hard to find good music on that, so in between Slippery When Wet... Bon Jovi, somebody had mentioned 38 that. Specials Greatest Hits. Exactly. Somebody had mentioned Big Star and ended up with Third Sister as the first Big Star I ever heard. And, and um, That's going to be the only person on earth that ever discovered Big Star <laughs> through <laughs> Third Sister Lover. Which is a mess. I mean, that album is a yeah. mess. You know, but it had some tunes. demos, this. essentially. Yeah. And um, Odena and Kangaroo and, you know, it has some fantastic stuff and going back. So it wasn't until like 10 years later that I discovered, you know, number one record and, and uh, Big City and, and Radio City, sorry, and just was like, who is this? And mm-hmm. didn't know it was even the same band. You yeah. Know? And I think, you know, I mean, I, I've never really listened, I've never really heard Cheap Trick talk about Big Star, but they had to have been oh, definitely. influenced by Big Star. Um, and going back to Cheap Trick, I, I, you know, those first three albums are great, but actually their first six albums are pretty great. Yeah. I mean... I'm a big Dream Police fan. Um, Surrender, I think, may, you know, it's one of those songs, Surrender's one of those songs uh, that makes me want to make a, uh, my my classic list of 100 of the 10 best songs I've ever heard. Um, You know, when you're like trying to list off 10 songs and you've got about 50,000 of them in your, in your uh, arsenal. Um, Whenever I hear Surrender, I think it's the greatest rock and roll song of all time. I, want to say it's top five it's, <laughs> it's pretty damn amazing and the best thing about it, it kind of falls into we talked about comfort food songs in the last pod a little bit just things that you never ever get sick of 
No. Cheap Trick, Surrender, Big Star. I mean, these are all bands that are really hard to get sick of. Yeah. Know, a, I mean, the song's just short enough. That Life is Right, yeah. uh, September Girls. Like, you just Those are songs that just... And, and also, again, uh, as Jeremy pointed out, uh, the, the brevity of the songs, um, they're over before you can get sick of them. Also, I would like to key in on the first two Cars records too, because I think that kind of changed me. There was a there was a passage I think in was it Please Kill Me, where was it Johnny Thunders? Yeah, so it was Johnny Thunders. This is actually one of my favorite lines in that book, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, but Johnny Thunders thought he and the Heartbreakers had something going, which they did. I mean, they were Chinese you know, rocks, Chinese rocks, and. Uh, they definitely had a lot of heroin going. But um, besides that, I mean, you know, I listen to Johnny Thunders and I'm like, yeah, it's a great rock band. And especially that first record. Yeah, they were kind of a straight-ahead rock straight band. Straight-ahead rock, you know. and uh, For the amount of mythology around. But they actually thought they were going to be famous, which was the mistake. <laughs> and, and so he heard, uh, they heard maybe the first single from the Cars, and they were like, fuck. <laughs> like, we're screwed. It's over. <laughs> yeah. This is the modern. Back to the needle. But I, was, I, I remember hearing that for the first time myself. I remember, you know, hearing... Um, you're all I've got tonight, um, and my best friend's girl, and you know, let's later on, let's go. Um, you know, those are those are all like they're kind of perfect songs, and it was so well produced, it was so smooth. I remember uh, as a kid, two things I remember as a kid. One is um, being so disappointed they used to have uh, concerts on MTV on Friday nights, and how bad the cars were live. I mean, they were such a studio band. They were so good, and they were, the, everything about them was so precise that you didn't want anything moved out of place. Right. And so when you saw them live, they were just they really disappointing. The yeah. The other funny thing is that my, uh, my wife grew up in Concord, Massachusetts, and a friend of hers from high school was the girl on the cover of Candio. Nice. And the her name is Candy O'Sullivan, <laughs> and that's why the name came from that's one great. of the guys was dating her. Um, yeah, no, the Cars they kind of skated that line um, because they had the heavy synth and of that new wave slash power pop. But when you think about it, I think you're absolutely right, especially those first two albums. It was just perfect pop music. It was kind of yeah. like the greatest hits. And it was weird. There's a I was talking to a guy uh, who was in a band I, I met in Italy not too long ago. A guy who was in a band, a punk band in the uh, '70s in LA called the Sweet and Nasties. And he was talking. We were talking about pop music in the early '80s, and we were saying that there was that moment 
just ahead of MTV. So it was sort of 79, 80, 81, 82, um, where... Radio hadn't gone completely corporate yet, and people were still programming their own stuff. So there were some really sneaky hit songs in there, Um, you know, stuff like Gary Newman's Cars or Pop Music by M or Joe Jackson's Is She Really Going Out With Him. I mean, stuff that just would never have been if you had a focus group and and said, like, you know, what's going to be the next hit? Those would never be it. Well, I think, too, it's funny that Power Pop kind of falls in that undefinable genre to some degree. It's been named Power Pop, so we're actually calling yeah. it a genre. But you have, like, those periods, to your point, like Nick Lowe, you know, Gary Newman, Cars, where you can kind of skate a couple of different, uh, yeah. you know, quote-unquote genres of music. But in reality, it's just good pop music, and mm-hmm. that's what it comes down At to. At the heart of it, it's a good song. Made by white people. Yeah, it is very strangely. <laughs> yeah, they, we were racking our brains and came up with no... African-American. No or, ethnic or uh, input. In, I mean, until you get to um, the morning benders, uh, uh, you know, you, you get absolutely no ethnicity in power pop. Um, but, you know, back going back into the early 80s, I mean, you had, again, Elvis Costello, Joe Jackson... Um, who else was sort Marshall of Crenshaw. Marshall Crenshaw had a hit song. Yeah. I mean, it's Tommy. a great song. Another song that you just you hear all the time. You're like, what is? Where did you place this? You know, yeah, it's like this nugget of. It's in the ether. Greatness. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of a you know '60s kind of like jangly pop song. Yeah, that's well, we were listening to the DBs earlier yeah. today. I mean, bands like Let's Active or the DBs or. And these um, are bands that end up influencing really all the bands we love, right? So early REM. Yeah, you uh, listen to the DBs, you, you hear know, REM. Throwing Muses later on. Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, you listen to Big Star, you hear a thousand bands. You yeah. listen to DBs, you hear a rough version. You hear a very yeah. bad vocalist uh, exactly. <laughs> singing REM. Yes, REM. Yeah, less self-serious REM, certainly. Um, and then you get, you know, there was a, there was a rebirth sort of in the early uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I would almost throw Urge Overkill in there. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a Chicago rebirth for sure, because you have Urge Overkill, and one of my favorites is Material Issue. Yeah, they were great. They were a great band. Valerie Loves Me is probably one of the best power pop songs ever written. Yeah. And definitely, not maybe not in the top five, but top 100 best singles. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, again, these guys all grew up on Cheap Trick, and... Um, but then you had Matthew Sweet come out of yeah. nowhere and also, you know, a pretty big hit, you know, I mean, Girlfriend. Girlfriend and, is a great album. Yeah. I mean, that's a Girlfriend, record that you go back to and you realize that. I've like, been waiting. Yeah. Sick of myself. I mean, those are all really good power pop songs. And I, band was actually a bunch of the former guys from television. Yep. Were his backing band. Yeah, and, Richard Lloyd and, uh. I think I nailed it right here. Power pop is always out of place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's never... An era where it sounds like it should fit. Because if you think about it, Matthew Sweet came out early 90s. Grunge. Grunge, right? You know, Girlfriend sounds yeah. absolutely Cheap nothing. Trick came out of the disco Cheap era. Cheap Trick came out of disco. Um, you know, DBs were, you know, God knows what era. New Wave, maybe, or yeah, something. Yeah, New Wave, you know? really. And, uh, and then you have some of the later bands, like, you know, Not A Surf and, and those guys in the 90s that were around for new metal. and. You well, know, they're, they're forever going to fill a thousand seat, you know, yes, yeah. club. In a, in a small city. Ten of us are going to that show. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're going to see the same people. It's funny. We always make this joke about X, uh, probably my favorite band of all time. Um, but if I go to an X show uh, several years in a row, I will see the exact same people. Right. I mean, I literally only see certain people at X shows. Yeah. 
And um, that's, you know, that I feel the same way about Power Pop. It's sort of, it's a very male, very white, yeah, nerdy, uh, nerdy college kind of yeah. uh, genre, which is not to say it should be disqualified. I love it. No, it's probably my favorite genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny that you said, we talk about Guided by Voice, another one of our favorites. You boot skates the line of lo-fi, power pop. And oh, they, yeah. They definitely Cheap Trick influenced, and certainly The Who. And Big Star. Big Star. But I, I remember one of my favorite Guided by Voices shows was I was literally sitting on the stage drinking, you know, Robert Pollard's Bud Lights out of a can, <laughs> arm in arm with this guy. And I'm like, really recognize this guy singing along to Gold Star Mountaintop with this gentleman that I didn't know or I didn't think I knew. And then I realized, oh, that's my uh, video store clerk. <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> Sums, Austin. Austin, Texas. <laughs> kind of sums up the Power Pop uh, fan yeah. fandom experience. But Waterloo. Exactly. Yeah, um, it's sort of Comic-Con for, you know, <laughs> slightly thinner fans. nerds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a couple other pockets, though. It's funny. I think it happens in, in areas, too. We talked earlier today about Elephant Six. And yeah. Now there was a little bit of a split there. You have the, the abstract, you know, Olivia Tremor Control, Neutral Milk Hotel, but then you also had Apples and Stereo and Beulah, who I think absolutely fall into this category. Oh, yeah. Beulah, Beulah is a band that, I, if I can, you know, stomp my feet and scream from the mountaintops to have them be remembered, they were a lot like... Uh, big star in the sense that they were just sadly passed over in their time. Um, I, you know, hopefully the guys from Beulah are doing well and aren't pulling the Chris Bell. But, um, you know, you're talking about a band that, that was making really, really good music and I only ever saw them open for anybody. I don't think I ever saw no, them I headline saw them a show. I mean, I think the first time you and I saw them was opening for Apples and Stairs Apples. in the Middle East. And yeah. we were both big dorks over Tone Soul Evolution. I mean, still one of my favorite albums. And went in, you know, oh, this band Beulah is sort of opening up. And I got to say, like, as much as I love Apples, Beulah blew them off the stage. Yeah, I mean... We both maybe bought the CD that night. Yeah, it's one of the few times I've actually bought a CD at a show. Uh, If you, yeah, if you want, like, a a nerd epiphany, it was, uh, you know, Jeremy and I walking out of the show that night at the Middle East in Cambridge saying... Jesus Christ, the, the second that guy put his guitar... <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, we. Uh, but I saw Beulah open for Wilco. I saw Beulah open for Apples. I saw Beulah open for Clinic. I think. Um, That's a weird combo. Yeah, it was Yola Tango. I saw open for Clinic as well. A um, couple of others that I'm just gonna mention, <clears throat> but we should probably think about today too. Like who's kind of carrying the torch? Because I think we we definitely hit the the '60s, '70s, '80s torch. But one band that just you know popped into my head that is the best female power pop, or maybe at least the one album best female power pop is the Go-Go's. Oh, yeah. Our Lips Are Sealed is, you know, to me, kind of melts me. That's a that's a amazing power pop song. Well, it's a, I mean, it goes back. It, that's a um, Terry Hall song. Right. Terry Hall wrote that with Jane Whedlin, um when they were having their clandestine affair on tour together. But... Terry Hall put out, uh, you know, I mean, Terry Hall was the lead singer of the specials, uh, sort of the, you know, main guy in the specials, uh, and then Funboy 3, uh, but also had a band after that called The Color Field, which I think is largely ignored, but they they did a an entire, they did two entire records of, like, um, just throwback 60s garage rock, which mm-hmm. was really good. Mm-hmm. It's kind of psychedelic pop. Um, in fact, uh they did um, that song that, uh, sadly, uh, Smash Mouth later covered. Yeah, which one? Um, shit, I can't remember the name of the song now. Um, know, Walking on the Sun. No, but Walking on the Sun, and then there was another yeah. song. Um, but it was a it was a Fun Boy 3 song, but it was actually a 60s That's tune funny. that they had covered. Um, well, scratch that from the podcast. I can't even, you know, my brain is turning 47. Um, there is a darker side too. I mean, you have, you know, people like the Gin Blossoms or Semisonic who aren't bad. The posies. Posies, yeah. There's sort of that, there's a benign side to yeah. pop, let's say, but I think for the most part, you know, you get some real gems in there. I mean, a, a remarkable number of suicides as we counted, took the, the count. I mean, we you, did. You got Peter Ham from Badfinger, the guy Chris from Material Bell. Issue, Chris Bell from Big Star, uh, Elliot Smith, if you want to put him in that category. Um, it's a lot of people. A lot of a lot people of make music. a lot of happy music sad made by lives. sad people. Um, yeah, there is a is a strange um, you know corollary there. Um, whereas I think people who make death metal probably live to be a hundred. Um, but yeah, clean living folks. Yeah, I mean, I, what? Who? Who are the? Who? Who is currently taking? You know, I'm not carrying trying the to torch. think. I mean, as far as I mean, not a surf still touring. Um, you know, a lot of the older guys are still touring. Cheap Trick, Buzzcocks, um, but who? You know, nobody in Big Star is still alive. No. Um, as far as just great pop bands right now, it's tough. I haven't heard a good jangly power pop band. I guess it just manifests recently. itself differently. Yeah, you know what I mean. Be. I mean, there's a lot of Brit pop crossover too. I mean, I would say, um, you know, bands like Supergrass from the '90s or. Yeah, I mean, even Blur and Oasis, Oasis you know, are sort of, you know, that sort of, anything that's sort of Beatles influenced. The Laws. That, yeah. Which we talked about last time. Yeah, I mean, Sloan, remember, is Sloan yeah, still Sloan, touring? Canadian, they probably are still around. Canadian, which is part of the Midwest, I believe. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, yeah. New Pornographers. New, new Pornographers, there you go, A.C. Newman. Yeah. Um, I guess that's who's carrying the torch right now, but I, I haven't heard a lot of it lately. I'm ready for a resurgence. Ready for a resurgence. Where will it come from? Yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to do it. But yeah. um, I think 
Universally one of our favorite genres. Uh, it's a genre that's pretty endless. You can find, I think, hundreds of great uh, bands in the power pop genre in, in both the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and and just early re- yeah, just remember the epiphanous moment in this podcast. Basically, if you want to, if you're wondering if something is power pop or can be qualified as power pop, listen to it and go, "Holy shit! How was that not a hit?" <laughs> that's your that's your criteria. Anyway, from brother, brother, brother. Thanks very much for listening and check out our uh, power pop playlist. Power pop playlist on Spotify. And uh, thanks for tuning in. That's it for today's episode of the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and drop us a line at brotherpod.com. Thanks very much to Damien Kendall for producing, and from Wyndham, Jeremy, and Christian, see you next time.